0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In 1972, the Equal Rights Amendment seemed almost certain to become law. The constitutional amendment prohibiting discrimination on the basis of sex sailed through the House of Representatives. It passed the Senate 84 to 8. The only remaining step was for at least 38 states to ratify it. But backers hadn't counted on some truly grassroots opposition. That fight against the ERA was led by a St. Louis area mother of six named Phyllis Schlafly. And Schlafly's story is the subject of a new limited series premiering next week exclusively on FX on Hulu. It's called Mrs. America. It's truly all-star cast is led by Kate Blanchett, who plays Schlafly. And joining us to talk about it is the series creator slash showrunner and also executive producer and writer. That's Davi Waller. So Davi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, I understand you grew up in Montreal, and Phyllis Schlafly is just such an American figure. How did she even get
1: on your radar in the first place? (laughs) Well, um, not to go too far back, but my parents are actually were expats in Montreal. They're American citizens who moved to Montreal. My dad is a political scientist, so I grew up hearing about American politics, and I used to joke that election nights in our house were, like, major sporting events. It was, like, the World Series. Um, so I'd always been interested in politics. I didn't really know anything about the Equal Rights Amendment or Phyllis Schlafly until, until I took a women's studies course in college, mm. um, and I read Backlash and learned a little more about who she was. And then, to be honest, I had completely forgotten about her until a few years ago when a producer pitched me the idea of Phyllis Lackley's campaign against the ERA as a jumping off point for creating a series. And I thought that was very clever. So
0: it sounds like you were almost immediately struck by the the idea that this could work. She's the right
1: framing device. Not immediately. I did go and do a little research because I I wasn't really interested in the angle of oh, look at this famous anti-feminist who actually was really a feminist in the year that a woman is running for president. That story Mm -hmm. felt very thin to me. But when I started to do research into her and learned that her passion and her career for 20 years prior to 1972 was in military strategy, uh, defense strategy, and that her real passion was defense, I thought, well, now there's an interesting mystery. Like, why did this woman pivot away from nuclear and nuclear arms and military strategy, and pick up this ERA campaign Hmm. in 1972.
0: And we actually have a clip from your show, Mrs. America, where we can hear sort of the beginning of that pivot. I want to play that here uh, for our listeners. Um, Let's listen to this moment from Mrs. America. And that's Kate Blanchett playing Phyllis Schlafly in the new FX on Hulu series, Mrs. America. And Davi, it sounds like this was really the great mystery that intrigued you. Why did she switch from being interested in international politics to deciding to take on the ERA? What were you able to learn about that
1: in your research? It seems to me from the research that I did that she just wasn't getting any traction in terms of a defense strategy. She. Ran for Congress twice in 1952 and 1970 and lost both times. She just couldn't get into this, what was very much a boys club. Mm -hmm. But when she started talking and speaking out against the ERA, she started getting a lot of traction. Uh, People became interested in listening to her and it was a much more fruitful platform. So, um, you know, if one avenue isn't open to you, you try a different avenue. Mm -hmm. I also think that. Her message and what she was saying about the Equal Rights Amendment resonated with a lot of homemakers at that time who were quite fearful about the sudden changes in society and what their role and the ways in which their role had shifted Mm -hmm. from 10 years prior. So I think she really tapped into a fear of the changes that were going on in the late 60s, early 70s.
0: And the way you portray this on the show is that there's almost this groundswell among her friends that are concerned about this before this is even on her radar. So your sense is that this really was sort of a a grassroots fear.
1: Absolutely. In fact, um, Phyllis Schlafly did a, a great interview with uh, the Lincoln Library in 2011 that I drew a lot from. And the way she tells it, she wasn't interested at all in women's issues, which hmm. she says in the show. And she wasn't interested at all in the ERA. She thought it was an innocuous piece of business, her quote, until a friend of hers called her and said, I'm going to send you some materials because I'm very concerned about this. Um, And I want you to speak about it. So she really wasn't interested. And it really was friends who were part of her, you know, network who alerted her to the dangers. And in the show, it's represented by her friend Alice, played by Sarah Paulson.
0: That's interesting. So that part was really, um, that part is true. That's how she sort of described this awakening herself.
1: That's right. So So, Alice is a fictional character. She's based on real people who were, you know, foot soldiers in Phyllis's army and who were in her network, of her newsletter, The social Blasley Report.
0: And watching um, this first episode in the series, I couldn't help but feel some great sympathy for this woman that I think so many of us working women don't naturally maybe have sympathy for. Um, she just seems like probably the smartest person in the room, and yet everybody's treating her like a secretary. Do you get the sense from the research you've done that that was something that bothered her? <laughs>
1: I didn't get the sense that it bothered her at all, and mm-hmm. she really did go to her grave saying she had never been discriminated against. Um, that said, that scene in Senator Goldwater's office came from a footnote in a book that I read, I think it was Grassroots Conservatism, um, by Uh, Donald Critchlaw, I hope I'm getting that correct. Um, And he wrote about a meeting she had in Senator Goldwater's office. And it says that the notes from the meeting are in her personal Mm archives. And that sort of inspired this theme about, of course, she was the one to take notes. And so while I don't think Phyllis herself uh, would say she was ever discriminated against, when I look at her path, I see discrimination and and the show dramatizes that.
0: Did you ultimately come away with some sympathy for
1: her uh, or no? I don't know. (laughs) Sympathy, I think understanding. Mm -hmm. I think I came away with a much better understanding of how she came to be who she was and what her motivations might have been. Where I was very sympathetic and I came away feeling very sympathetic was for the homemakers in her organization. I felt a great deal of sympathy for their sense of uncertainty, their loss of status. we tend to talk about social revolutions in terms of the progress, and it's a step forward and very positive adjective. But along with all that, does come a sense of loss for many people. And we rarely address that loss that social revolutions invariably bring. And I wanted to infuse that into the show, and, and I really felt that. When I read writings from homemakers in the 70s who talked about being just a housewife and denigrated and the joke of late night talk shows, I really wanted to put that into the series. And I really developed quite an empathy for where they were coming from.
0: We're talking to Davi Waller. She's the creator slash showrunner for Mrs. America, the new series that's focused on Phyllis Schlafly in her era uh, that's premiering on FX on Hulu. Now, Davi, I know you were also a writer and producer for Mad Men, and this feels like so much of a piece in a way that you just get these details of that era. They just feel so spot on. Uh, But was there a big difference between the look and feel of Manhattan in the early 70s and then trying to portray suburban St. Louis?
1: Absolutely, and, and I do have to give a shout-out to my former boss, Matt Weiner, because he definitely taught me everything I know in terms of the details and the texture and really getting all those details right to build an authentic you know, production design and, and feel to the show. Um, what, New York is definitely so different from Illinois, Central Illinois in the 70s. For what, it's very dirty. Um, it, it just it felt noisier and uh, busier and... Felt like very modern, and Central Illinois or Alton, Illinois, where Phyllis lived, still felt like it was like ten years uh, earlier. And we had a wonderful production designer, Mara Leperschloop, who really created these two different worlds that felt so different from each other. Both in and also I have to. Talk about the cinematographer, Jessica Ligagne, and our wonderful directors, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. All four of them together created the look of the show and really the contrast between these two worlds, both the color, the saturation, the texture, the sound just did an incredible job um, bringing these two worlds to life and the ways in which they're so different.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just so striking. And as you say, there's also these scenes where we see the feminists who are cru- crusading to get the Equal Rights Amendment passed, and that takes us mm-hmm. to Washington, D.C., and they really do That's seem right. like they're living in this different world. It's, really, it's such <laughs> a liberated world. Let's listen to a clip from their gathering. This is right after the ERA uh, passes the Senate. And that, again, is from Mrs. America. You have such an all-star cast here. Just in that short clip alone, there's Elizabeth Banks <laughs> and, and Rose Byrne. And, you know, there's so many
1: actors Tracy in this Allman, as well. Margaret Martindale and Ari Grainer. I know. When we were shooting that scene, I just couldn't believe the level of talent in that one small face. It <laughs> just completely blew my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean there's you know I know you you come back to these people but in this one brief scene it just feels like wow this is a cameo from everyone that you'd want to see. Um and that feeling of jubilation you hear in this scene, they really thought this was going to be smooth sailing.
1: And you know one of the things I'm glad you played that clip because you have Elizabeth Banks who's playing Jill who who is a Republican feminist leader and when she says is, you know this is a bipartisan issue it, was, it sailed through the Senate. I mean, 84 to 8 is quite a majority, and so they had every reason to be jubilant because no one thought that anyone would be against equal opportunity for women being enshrined in the Constitution. It just didn't occur to anyone, and it wouldn't occur to that it was a very bipart- much a bipartisan. It's interesting to look at, you know, the ERA has had a resurgence today. Uh, it, it got ratified in the last three states since 2017, and it passed a measure passed in the House to extend the deadline, and it's not being taken up in the Senate. And so the difference between 1972, where this was passed uh, almost unanimously, you know, with great bipartisanship, Mm -hmm. uh, reaching across the aisles to today, where it's very much the issue is divided between Democrats and Republicans, really says a lot about where we are today versus 40 years ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing to think that, man, they really thought this was so close. And now, you know, there's been some talk about maybe bringing this back, and it doesn't feel like this is any sort of moment where that would
1: even be possible. I mean, they they did get pretty far. They, you know, the the last three states, Ratified, you know, Nevada and Virginia and mm-hmm. Illinois, uh, Phillips's home state, ratified the ERA in 2018. So the question is whether the Congress will change the deadline on on mm-hmm. ratification, which was 1982. So, so it's it's funny because when I sold the series and even. When we started, opened up the writer's room, the ERA was not at all in the public consciousness, and here it is back in politics. So you just never know. It comes around, goes around. So in terms of this, um, this success that Phyllis
0: Schlafly had um, back in the 70s in stopping this, people didn't see this coming. What do you think
1: was the source of her power? Um, I think it depends who you talk to. If you mm-hmm. talk to the feminist leaders, you know, Gloria Steinem, The source of her power was um, special interest groups and insurance industry and a lot of business interests who did not want the ERA to go through and who lobbied lawmakers and really supported Phyllis Schlafly's movement. If you speak to anyone in you know Phyllis Schlafly's camp uh, or anyone in the conservative camp, they'll probably tell you that her power came from her ability to message. Uh, Her being very media savvy, her brilliant grassroots organizing, is it probably somewhere in the middle? You know, the Mm -hmm. truth is usually somewhere in the middle between those two sides. But um, I don't think there's evidence. You can't really say she single-handedly stopped it, and you can't prove that she was a puppet of insurance industry, but there is certainly reason to believe both may be true.
0: Hmm. Now, that first episode depicts people just writing off her newsletter as just some woman who's got a hard-to-pronounce name, which, you know, it is a hard-to-pronounce name, and, and there she is in we flyover We can't pronounce
1: country. it in our writer's room. I <laughs> have
0: trouble pronouncing it.
1: You Nobody know, else. We have a, a
0: beer here in St. Louis that goes by that name, so I think that helps everyone locally be able to say it properly, but if That's not for right. the beer. <laughs> and
1: he's related, uh, that Schlafly beer is related to Philip. And I believe she tried to shut down uh, to trademark her name and not let them use it because of um, it went against family values. Exactly. It's somewhat of a, yeah. a
0: distant family connection. I think they're they're happy to say <laughs> they're a different branch cousin. of the family.
1: <laughs> but, you like, know, we need our beer in St. Louis, so let's not take that away.
0: <laughs> but, you know, she was doing all this, um, you know, was not a well-known person at the time, was doing it from the middle of the country. Do you think it helped that she was outside Washington, D.C., and could maybe take a pulse that was harder to take from one of the coasts?
1: That's a really interesting question. Um, I definitely think she used her outsider status uh, to great effect. I think she tried to get into Washington, and when she failed in 1970, she found a different way. And um, I do think that, you know, she was in her own bubble of socially conservative Catholic women, Mm -hmm. so she certainly had her finger on the pulse of of what they were feeling and through all her network. I mean, she had supporters in all almost all fifty states, uh, and she convened a national meeting, you know, in nineteen seventy two to start this national organization, dot BRA. So I think she definitely had her finger on the pulse of socially conservative
0: mm-hmm.
1: women and um probably in D C or New York, maybe they're just they weren't as tapped into to that, mm-hmm. I think that you, there are similar echoes in the 2016 election where you had an outsider running for president, and there was a lot of surprise in terms of his popularity. Uh, and some say we, it came from us living in our own bubbles. We're increasingly living among people who are, think similarly to us, and there aren't that many states in which you interact with people who don't have the same ideology, and so we, we are losing touch with what the rest of the country is feeling and thinking. I think Mm -hmm. you're right. So she at least had her
0: her finger on the pulse of this one America, but it's maybe it's not the only America. Um, That's right. Looking at her sort of remarkable life and and this fight that she took on and this organization that she built, how do you think her life would have been different if she would would have been born 50 years later, say if she was born in 1974 versus 1924? Do you think she would have ended up being in Congress?
1: You know, I bet she would have. When I think about uh, how far conservative women have come today who were born in the 70s, at the very least, she would be on Fox News. <laughs> it's very easy to see show. that. <laughs> very easy to see that, if not in Congress. Um, I, I think she did avail herself of all the opportunities that women had in the 70s uh, as well. But I think she would have done gone a lot farther you know, in 1974, and if year were born in 1974. And one of the reasons uh, I included the c- character of Phil Crane, who is a congressman from Illinois, who's played by James Marsden, mm-hmm. who's in the pilot, is he was so similar to Phyllis. They ran for Congress the same year. Um, he was also very socially conservative, very much a hawk on foreign policy. Uh, had father of eight children, Catholic and in some ways he seemed like a mirror image of her as a man and mm-hmm. look how far he went and that gave me some sense of what it might have been for her had she been born a man mhm she became very powerful in the house do you think with the era though that she won the battle but ultimately she lost the war absolutely and uh The fact is that all the things she railed against that would happen if the Equal Rights Amendment became part of the Constitution happened anyway. Gay marriage is legal. Uh, Women serve in the military. Uh, You know, ultimately you can't really stop uh, society from moving forward and and the culture from evolving and progressing Mm -hmm. as loud as you shout. And so that's the great irony is that The battle was won, but ultimately everything she said she was afraid would happen, did happen. And we're all still standing.
0: (laughs) Well, Davi Waller, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, and I hope everyone,
1: all your listeners are staying very healthy and safe. Thank you.
0: And the same to you. Thank you so much. Davi Waller is the showrunner of the new FX on Hulu series, Mrs. America, premiering April 15th, and it offers just a terrific glimpse of 1970s America. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.